Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. Happy Friday. I really hope you're having a wonderful time. I am so happy to be here and talking to you right now. I want to say thank you. Thank you for holding on and listening to the I Am The Code podcast season four. In fact, listening to all the seasons, our podcast is growing so fast. Thanks to you. You know who you are. I am so grateful, honestly. And the entire team, in fact, is grateful. You know, each time you support I Am The Code, you're elevating young women and girls globally. Our girls are doing very well right now. And in September, we're going to enroll more girls to come to join the I Am The Code program. So thank you again for being here. I'm also very thankful that you have listened to part one of the podcast with Alison Stoner. She is truly remarkable. I love her because she is vulnerable, kind, compassionate. She's not scared and she's not worried to share her life journey with people. I love her humanity. Really beautiful. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with her. I've learned so much from being yourself, being authentic and not hesitating and telling the world who you are. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with her and I will see you on the other side. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is how do you maintain your creativity, right? And your mental health? Where do you get this power? There's an inner power in you, which I can feel and see that you are in control of what you're doing and saying. What sort of inner conversation do you have on a day-to-day basis? Because the girls, we try to teach them to have positive mind. They are really going through hell, very difficult life they have, but they are so beautiful and positive. They attract amazing energies. People love being with them. People feel inspired Mm -hmm. when they are next to them. But what sort of inner conversation one should have to just stay calm and authentic and beautiful? Well, something that I use is affirmations. And at first when I heard about them, to be honest, I kind of thought they were a bit cheesy. <laughs> and I thought, what does it do to actually just say positive things until I tried them for a period of time? And I realized it was making a huge difference. When it comes to creativity, even though I was working in the arts, I actually didn't think that I was a creative person for most of my life. I really, really did not see myself as being artistic. I looked at others and I thought, oh, it just seems to like come out of them so naturally and they just express themselves. Whereas I felt very stuck and very kind of offline and it didn't really have a vitality to me. So in order to feel creative, I do believe from my own journey that I did need to learn how to take care of my mental and emotional health first, because without that foundation, I didn't really feel like I had the extra energy or inspiration to be creative. So my first step and my first commitment was understanding my mental and emotional health and kind of creating some different tools and practices, whether that was meditating or journaling, praying, anything. And so after I felt like I had a foundation, then I realized also that what you don't receive, you can't provide. And what I mean by that is I was constantly trying to create from an empty cup. I was constantly trying to pour Mm -hmm. out something that I myself didn't allow myself to feel. It's like you can't give what you don't have, right? Yes. So I realized that I actually have to learn how to accept Mm -hmm. inspiration. So when I look around at other art or artists, media, when I tune in spiritually, Mm -hmm. I actually have to allow myself to receive and be moved by the art in life. And from there, okay, now, you know, the creative juices are flowing and I feel like I've got something to give, but everyone's creative process is different. And if this doesn't feel honest, then toss it, get to know yourself and ask yourself, what do I want to create? Because maybe you just are at that 
that first step right now going, I don't know what that would mean. And my invitation to you is to recognize that all of life is a creative act. The way that you treat other people has a creative nature about it because you can choose to speak to them one way or another. Mm. That is a creative choice. And so is the way that you go about your goals. Do you like to tackle them right away or do you like to kind of procrastinate? That's also a creative choice. Mm. You are creating your life to some degree. So when we broaden the definition of creativity, we realize, oh, you don't have to be a formally trained painter or photographer or dancer. You can be an engineer, you can be a doctor, you can be anything, and it will still be your creative thumbprint. Absolutely. So that's exciting to it me. Is, I mean, for example, I was talking to the girls about coding and technology, and we were looking at your the way you dance. It's like very symmetric and it's very beautiful and, and your, your hands and you move them around and your body, your silhouette. And I was just sharing this with them the other day. At I Am The Code, we try and teach young women and girls how to code. And our goal, as you know, is to get them the skills they need, dancing, whatever, whatever makes them who they are, whatever makes them happy. What is your relationship with technology? How do you use technology to dance? Do you listen to music? What sort of things do you do to like make those movements? Because movements are really good for mental health as well, right? How do you do that? They love that, yes. by the way. They love the, the way you move and the stuff you do. It's beautiful. Yes, I absolutely believe that our brains and our bodies are exquisite pieces of technology. <laughs> uh, and so I see I see ourselves as a form of technology on top of the devices that we build and the computers that we use, the algorithms that are designed. So in many ways, I see codes within natural law, within the universe, within the world and how biology and evolution and all of these incredible things that we're unpacking and discovering over time, how they operate, all has this design to it, this technology. So I am a huge fan and student of technology. And I don't know how to code yet. I have taken like a few really small classes, but I want to continue learning. And also in terms of AI and ethics with technology and how we can find ways to remove bias within technology. And this is something that I have a huge passion for. And any recommendations <laughs> that you have, please let, let me know. No, no, they, love, they love your dancing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dance totally has its own set of input and output and patterns. And I think the intersection mm-hmm. of human beings and technology is one of the most important questions and issues to navigate. When did you start dancing then? Did you always dance when you were young, when you were on the movie sets and things like that? Did you always dance? Why do you love it? I could see I was watching one of the, your movies the other day. How does it make you feel when you dance? Yes. So when I started dancing at three years old, mm-hmm. I did, I'm sure, enjoy the endorphin rush and the social aspect and the learning and recitals and all of that. So there was fun to it and I did like dancing, but it was more so performance oriented from the outside Mm. in. Over Mm. time, when I started to think about my health in terms of movement and how I move my body, then it became an inner expression from the inside out. And that I think is what's translating in the videos now is Mm. with movement, I'm getting to know how each body part naturally moves in its own unique way. And I have my own body language. I have my own story. I have my own experiences stored in my body. And as I sense into what's happening through Mm -hmm. simple gestures, whether that's pushing or pulling 
or tapping side to side, I can start to ask, what do I notice going on in my mind? What thoughts or feelings come up when I do this movement? And what might want to be processed right now? What might want to be expressed or released? And can I allow myself to move in that way? So it becomes a source of healing and not just an outward performance. And I think that there are so many, if we want to get into the science of it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the mind-body connection is is so fundamental. But oftentimes we, when we think about mental health and wellness, we kind of focus on the neck up. And then when we think about the body, we put it into terms of fitness or diet or seeing the body just as something you kind of carry around and use to get the things done that your brain and mind told you, you, you have to do. But you use your hands a lot. The girls, they use their hands as well when they dance. Right. Yeah. And the African dance. Oh, from yes. Burundi, they use their bodies. They kind of like do these amazing movements. And we were talking about patterns the other day. They do art to create calves. Mm. And we we're talking about patterns. And one of the girls was telling me that the fact that the spiral, the fact that they can move their bodies like in Africa, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So she straight away kind of like mixed art and coding Amazing. and moving. I was quite impressed by that, actually. Oh, I want to see that. Please send it. <laughs> They're good dancers. They dance so well mm-hmm. uh, and very synchronized as well. The only thing I was going to ask you about the stuff you do around dancing, it looks like you are so grateful. Can you just tell us what are the things you are grateful for right now? What do you say to yourself every morning, knowing how to dance, expressing yourself the way you want to do it? Can you share with us what are the rituals that you practice by showing gratitude? Yes, I feel so. My hand is over my heart right now and my head is bowing to life in gratitude because gratitude is my fuel. So it's not just something I do sometimes or think about sometimes. It feels like what's driving me, what allows me to have energy to carry on. So I have a certain phrase that I say that I learned from a book that I read, and it's, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And I say this at different moments of the day, especially when I'm feeling like I'm not quite feeling myself or I'm feeling afraid or I'm feeling unconfident. And there's something about this phrase that just simply almost feels like a reset button. I'm just crying. Sorry. If it feels right, you can say it along to yourself inside your mind or or out loud. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And I say this phrase, and I also have another ritual, which is when I find myself feeling anxious or struggling in some way, I Mm -hmm. identify what that sentence is about what I'm feeling or thinking And I use the catch it, challenge it, and change it method that I learned back in a hospital, actually, when my body Mm -hmm. and my health were very compromised. And one of the therapists who was helping me said, catch the thought first, then challenge it. And if we want to use a little bit softer, more compassionate language, be curious about it, Mm -hmm. and then change it, actually select a replacement sentence. So the next time that you think that unhelpful thought, you can Mm -hmm. instantly start replacing it with the substitute until that new one becomes the way that your mind naturally thinks. And I know it feels almost like, oh gosh, you have to do that every time. But I promise you, it gets easier and easier over time until you naturally find yourself 
being more positive or feeling stronger or whatever it is that you're aiming for. So I say that mantra, I know who Mm -hmm. I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And I also practice catching, challenging, and changing my thoughts. On Saturday, the girls will repeat that. And I'm going to make sure they repeat it and send you the video. Because it is so... They will. Honestly, it is so amazing that I can't even... It's so beautiful. They will say it and then they will send it to you so you can see that they actually got your... It's just beautiful. Honestly, Alison, it's really beautiful. It's just so beautiful that I have so much more to ask you. You know, we discussed all the stuff you've done. You're not even 30 years old yet. (laughs) So much wisdom. It's really unbelievable, honestly. But I know that you've been on the set. You met so many people. You've done it. But who has set you up? Who... Who is your mentor? Who is that person who says, Alison, I believe in you. Go. Yes. Because I want the girls to be better human beings, right? Good people. Mm -hmm. Good people. I put these seeds in their brain so they can be good people. I am 47 years old now, double of your age. And if I live on this earth, I want to make sure that my girls know this woman I met somewhere changed my life. She planted a seed in my brain, but who did planted the seed on your brain for you to be who you are today? And what are the principles do we need to share with these girls? Because there are millions of girls out there who will not go through what you and I have been through, especially now that you and I have evolved, right? We have got the information. We understand. We are learning. We are reading meditating. We're in a safe space. We can eat, we can drink, mm-hmm. we can take care of our health. We're so lucky, mm-hmm. but not, not everyone will be like Alison or Lady Mariam. So can you share with us this humility, this wisdom, and who has set the scene for you to be where you are today? Yes. And thank you for naming that because I am only who I am because of all of the different people in my life and experiences and lessons, positive and negative, easy and challenging. So a couple of things. I consider myself a student of all people, and I believe that everyone I interact with knows something that I don't. And similarly, I suppose I know something that they don't either because we have different experiences. So I really like to approach life with that attitude because when you open your mind in that way, wow, I feel that life will flood in with gifts of information and knowledge and ways to make sense of what's going on. So I'm a student of everyone, including you, and then particular mentors. I didn't, because I wasn't in a formal school setting, there were a couple teachers here and there that did really help me. But the person who stood out was actually the man who taught me how to sing. So he was my vocal coach on a project. And he didn't sign up to be my mentor. He didn't sign up to be a father figure. But because of the way that he invested in me, and cared about not only my well-being, but my growth, he became a mentor, at least from that's how it felt to me. And similarly, there was another man who was a dance teacher, and I really just admired his ability to freestyle and understand different languages of movement in his body. And I trained with him, and just being in his presence felt like mentorship. And so what I've found for me is that in life, it's not always the formal mentor with a title. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's also the stranger who you only have two or three interactions with, and yet they leave a profound impact on your life. I also feel that if you truly seek and trust, 
life will have a way of providing either these people or these moments. Sometimes even my mentors felt like the books I was reading. I didn't Mm. interact with a lot of people and I didn't Mm. share. What I mean is I didn't always share what was going on privately with many people. And Mm. so I would read and the authors, their voices became my mentors and teachers. So it was like anything, the library, the, if you can hear podcasts, if you can Mm. go online and YouTube things like all of life has been a mentor. (laughs) Um, But of course, then you need to also learn discernment and remember that everyone is on their own journey and no one is perfect. So Mm. even your mentor is human and they might Mm. have great intentions, but you at the end of the day are the expert of your own experience. So how can you build trust with yourself in a way that allows you to build confidence in how you move forward and take the lessons that mentors and different people have taught you, but really, truly make them your own authentic version. That's so powerful what you said. I do agree with you when it comes to mentors. And then I think because you and I have been through so many difficulty, challenges and learning about ourselves, people letting us down. But at the same time, I think there are people who have really spoken to us Mm. via books, YouTube. For example, what I just said earlier, when I met you in the Arctic, you spoke to me. Your body language just said to me, I understand Mm. pain. I understand. I was so scared because I didn't know water. I, I just was scared of water. I didn't trust. I had to trust the guy who was putting us off and on the boat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had to trust that person. But when I saw you that evening, everything was quiet in the middle of nowhere. I said, I am not supposed to be here. Mm. I am not supposed to be here. A young woman from Senegal, no way I'm being here. But I had to trust the process and trust that actually everyone here is going through difficulty and challenges. And when you start speaking, as I said earlier, I was like, I belong here because she's here. Mm. But I think I was also read after that. And I came home, I read Oprah and Maya Angelou, who I'm I'm the fervent students. They spoke to me. So when you think about everything you right now, thinking about creating experiences, I just love the fact that you are creating experiences for yourself, but for the LGBT community, you are giving yourself out there. Who did you listen to? Who is the one person you just listened to that just like changed something in your brain? It's like, wow, okay, I got the point. Oh, wow. Well, the person who comes to mind, his name is Bruce. And I wasn't supposed to meet him or interact with him. And in fact, We had conversations on the phone that changed my life, but I hadn't even met him in person. And what happened was I was really struggling and I asked someone in my life who had been there for me before for their advice and their support. And it was something that they themselves just couldn't, they couldn't really speak to. They didn't have the answers. They didn't know what to say. And they said, you know, I do know this other person. Maybe you can have a conversation with him about it. And that is where I learned with my conversations with Bruce, this concept, well, a lot of concepts. One of them was both and versus either or. My mind in life tends to be very black or white thinking, all or nothing, either right or wrong. And in reality, most of life kind of happens in this gray area. There are some good things, there are some bad things, and there's light and there's darkness. And so with Bruce, he helped me almost unwire my either or thinking so that I could learn how to feel both and to feel multiple things at once, to actually have space for the complexity of moments and situations. And because I learned how to stretch in that way, it allowed me to 
I felt like I got new eyes. I started to be able to just that simple adjustment changed me. And then the second thing was that I learned from him that we each have a certain worldview, a certain paradigm. You might want to use the term framework. And it's kind of our our mental models, the maps of how we see life. And if we're not careful and aware, we might not notice that there are tons of things influencing that worldview. So for me with Bruce, I was unpacking, you know, what influences my faith and who influenced the pastor and who influenced the writings. And let's learn about the history and how that influenced things. Let's learn about technology and different Mm -hmm. events and how that influenced things. Let me learn about my family lineage if I can and see how that influenced things. And once I realized, oh, my paradigm doesn't automatically mean I'm right. Mm -hmm. It feels real to me. So it feels right. It feels true, but it's not necessarily objective reality. Then I realized, oh, everyone at all times is operating from a certain paradigm, a certain story, a certain picture of reality wow, this world is really complex, like really complicated, but it allowed me to see, okay, if I've constructed this paradigm once, then that means I can actually technically deconstruct it the same way that we break open a device and figure out how it works, Mm. rearrange some parts Mm -hmm. and construct a new paradigm. So I started because of Bruce I started looking at my life and seeing where do I feel most broken and how could I become a little bit more whole? And I played the simple game, keep, toss, Mm -hmm. or transform with Bruce. And I would look at a piece of my life, a piece of the paradigm. And I would say, does this piece lead to a sense of feeling broken? or a sense of feeling whole. And if it led to a sense of brokenness, totally, and there was nothing good about it at all, I would ask myself, can I set this aside? If it was leading to wholeness, great, keep it. If it was somewhere in that gray area, that both and area, some of it's good, some of it's bad, how could I transform it to be a little bit more life-giving? So an example of that might be a belief that I had about myself feeling unworthy. Mm. Did that belief lead to me feeling broken or whole? It led to more brokenness. So what could I do to alter that belief to saying I am worthy? That, you know, doing that with my life, with my relationships, with, with everything, even possessions, things that are in your space. If you make wholeness the kind of North Star and you just begin to ask yourself, does this lead to brokenness or wholeness? You can start to kind of see different ways, different opportunities to bring yourself to an overall healthier state of being. So Bruce is really who I give credit Mm -hmm. to. and, And I'm so, so thankful for because he taught me how to think about how I think. Wow. I mean, now I want to talk about your philanthropy work. And I know you don't like talking about yourself that much, but <laughs> you are doing amazingly well. You know, I was reading the other day, I actually have to download it myself, the Mind, Body, Pride. Oh, yes. And then you will donate 100% of the proceeds to support the LGBTQIA. I'm learning how to spell it. <laughs> it's just really remarkable you are doing this. And can you just tell the, the girls and the boys listening to you and all of our audience why are you doing this? As I said this earlier, you could just sit down and say, you know what? I don't owe anybody anything. But why are you doing this, Alison? Oh, because your well-being is a part of my well-being. We are completely connected and you are worthy and deserving of all good things, especially feeling at ease in your own body and mind. And 
if I have had someone give me the opportunity and I've experienced the transformation, of course, I want to give you the exact same access and open the door because this is, for me, we are all connected. It is community. It's in our DNA. It's in our cells. And to pretend that we're disconnected is, to me, that would be me lying to myself. So if I want to be well, then I need to know that you are well because our well-being is shared. It's collective in my view and understanding. And as you know, there are so many great needs in this world. And there are so many things that are not working and that are dangerous and harmful and unfair. So I feel committed to using my life energy, my whatever I have to creating that equal space for everyone to thrive, for everyone to be able to, Mm. to choose, to have the power of choice, to feel healthy, to feel safe until that day is here. Mm-hmm. there's work to do. Where can they get the book then? I saw that the 1000 download or something like that. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah. So um, you can go to my website, alisonstoner.com and you can download the copy from within the website. There's also a free movement course with it. So mm-hmm. when you read along with the book, if you want You can try some of the videos and it's nothing fancy. It's just you getting to know yourself through your own natural body language. So I'll guide you through each thing. You don't have to know what you're doing. I'll guide you. The seven steps, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's called Mind Body Pride, the seven step guide to deeper inner connection. I'm going to have to have it today (laughs) just for myself. (laughs) Yes, please let me know how the experience is. Oh, wow. The other thing I was going to ask you just before we finish, why do we need to protect children? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Oh, you and I have very different stories, but I'm sure this goes straight to our core. Oh, I mean, first, just because it's right. (laughs) Children are vulnerable and sponges. And as kids, they grow up, become like us, right? Yeah, everything gets passed down and through Mm. the generations. And so finding ways to support young people, it ensures the well-being of our entire species. But at the Mm. individual level, every child needs that care, that proper attention for their own development. When did you have this language? Because you had this language later on. Because I love this about you. I know that you sat down and you said, we must protect children. When did you have this light in your brain? I think the moment that I had healed enough to realize the things that I experienced were not my fault. Until I was able to really believe that even though I I know I was in the setting, I was a part of different experiences, but many things were chosen for me and many things happened that I would not have chosen. They were harmful or hurtful. And when I realized that those weren't my fault, I think that's when I felt a shift in recognizing oh, now I want to ensure that other young people are protected. But sometimes I think if you carry that inner judgment, it prevents you, or I'll speak for myself, it prevented me from showing up for others because I didn't really have compassion for myself in my own journey. I had to do my own healing before I got the language to be able to offer it to someone else. It goes back to you can't give what you don't have for me. No, no, you're right. This is what I love about you. You now are calling all these massive organizations to protect children. I just want to wish you to become a global ambassador. I'm sure it's going to come very soon because I think your voice is so needed at a global platform. You have your own platform, but I think 
the world should listen to you so carefully because mm. everything you are saying everything you are saying make complete sense but let me ask you two bonus questions before we finish your podcast mm. Alison, you are such a beautiful woman i look at your photos you are so beautiful where do you get this beauty from how do you maintain your face your beauty how do you do this because the girls probably would like to know that Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I will say, and this might sound really cheesy, but I've had the same face for years, but more recently people have been more complimentary. And I think it's because my joy is more apparent and my smile is more genuine. So I'm always going to say, start from the inside out. But when it comes to taking care of myself I don't really pay much attention to the outside. It's just yeah, a beautiful smile, right? You got this beautiful face that is really like shaped and beautiful. So do you feel beautiful inside? Hmm. Well, you know, my smile is my mother's and my father's. So <laughs> shout out to them. Um, but I do, I experience beauty now on the inside and the outside. And I didn't always. So I really had to, in small amounts, kind of open up to that idea. Sometimes it's still a little awkward or uncomfortable, but allowing myself to feel beauty and feel beautiful also has allowed me to see beauty in others in fresh ways. Before, when I saw really, really like physically beautiful people or their personalities were really, really beautiful... I could feel insecure about myself because I thought, oh, they have something I don't have. That was the paradigm. But as I have allowed myself to feel my authentic version of beautiful, when I see beauty in others, I don't feel insecure anymore. It actually feels like abundance. It feels like something worth celebrating and lifting others up in their beauty. You know, it becomes less of a competition and more of just this really beautiful celebration of who we all are. So I think maybe that's what people are seeing these days is this new sense of um, purity, right? It's like there's a purity in your face. When I look at you, it's like this peace, this beauty, this quietness, mm. this calmness. I call it purity. It's like, like in French, c'est la pureté. It's like beautiful right? It's very Thank smooth. you. And I think, yeah, when you say calm, it's so funny because I was the opposite of calm my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> so to actually feel that now is a huge, huge gift and difference. You come across definitely. You come across on your all your photos. I'm so glad. It does. It does. Mm. You know, our team is elevating humanity and I know that you are doing everything you can. You're just going to, you know, in LA, which I really think that I'm going to come and see you. I've yes, got so please. many friends in LA. How are you elevating humanity? Do you think that the stuff you just started, the wellness business, because you love creating experiences. I call them creating experiences because you're very humble. You know, you're not imposing yourself to people. You just want to create beautiful, nice experience, people to just really learn really and be better and do better. Just like we do at I Am The Code. What are you doing and what are you doing in the future next six months to elevate humanity? And why do we need to elevate humanity, Alison, at this present time of COVID-19, people being depressed? People are seeking things. They're seeking change. They want to be there, but it's very tough. You know, what are you doing? Can you share with our girls and boys and our listeners? Yes, it, it is an incredibly challenging time on so many levels. What I am hoping to do and trying to do on a daily basis is ask myself what my role is in change. So there's this map of social change and you see these different roles. Some people are the teachers of the information. Some people are the organizers. They get people ready to go and, and out at the protests or events or whatever it is. Some people are the policymakers. Some people are the artists and storytellers. So first, what I'm wanting to do is understand what is my role? Where is my voice in this so that I can really plug in in the best way possible and then second, yes, my company and my, my mission 
is to provide tools so that people can experience healing and transformation because I believe that my best contribution is helping people go inward. Whereas I know some of my friends' best contributions are taking physical action and building the new structures or changing the laws themselves. For me, my sweet spot is that contemplation, that curiosity. So I try to walk in that on a daily basis, even in my private moments. And then also publicly, you know, I want to continue creating content and programs that help people understand themselves. And then on more of the advocacy and activism side, I am trying to put together some curriculum to take to different media companies and to say, this is how you can better protect the well-being of your employees and artists who are suffering tremendously right now and who have a lot of influence over the public with what they say and what they share and their behavior. So I don't say this everywhere, but with you, I trust you. I trust people who are listening. Of course. Mm -hmm. A part of the mission is to be able to support the people who have the power (laughs) because I myself have some power, but not as much as some of the people around me. So how can Mm. I be a support system to them so that they Mm. can use their platforms uh, for the best possible outcomes for everyone? How can our girls and boys uh, be part of the work you do? Oh, I mean, always you're welcome to follow the different social pages on Instagram mm-hmm. and, and YouTube and whatnot. But know that if you are on your own journey, I consider mm-hmm. you a part of the community. And even if you're not and you're just kind of visiting, I feel connected to you as much as you want to be connected. So know that I think of you often. And I wonder how you're doing. I wonder what's going on. So you're on my mind. You're on my heart. And I want you to know that. So you're always welcome. If you're able to reach out in a direct message or whatever that looks like, great. I would love to also visit, if possible, someday, somehow. I'm going to take you there. As soon as COVID is finished, we go in together. I would love to. I would so, so love to, because I want to be able to see your faces and know your names and experience you in physical form. So yes, you can look at the book, you can look at the content, but if you have other ideas, please feel free to share them with Lady Mariam, lady. Absolutely. <laughs> Noble title. I know, I know. One of the things I was going to do, I was going to ask Carolina, one of our head of mentoring, to set a call for you and the girls to have a chat on yes. a Saturday morning. Mm. That would be a really wonderful experience for you. But I, I, I will share the quote you've shared uh, with us. And Well, let me just ask you one last question. You are only 27 years old. I know you're very humble and you are still learning and so much to learn and so much to give to the world. But I think sometimes I don't see people with ages. I see the knowledge, the wisdom you've developed, the how far you came mm-hmm. from pain to evolution, you know, where you are today. If you were talking to the youngest Alison, that six years old person, and our girls are listening to you right now, it's Saturday morning in Kakumo refugee camp in Kenya. What is the message you have to the youngest Alison? Because our girls are confident. They're beautiful. Like I said, I want you to meet them. And uh, you are so kind to share your Instagram. I hope that we can share this moment you and I have right now on your profile so Mm -hmm. people can see that. But if you were thinking about that younger Alison, what would you say to her right now? After everything, after everything you have done, you and I meeting at the end of the earth in Antarctica, can you believe this? What would you say to this youngest person? Alison, do you have a message for that person, that young girl? Yes, I would say two things. I would say, one, now is not forever. Even though it might feel like it's forever, what's happening now, where you are now, who you are now is not forever. Things can and will change. And then second, I would say, 
trust who you are and trust that what you have to say matters. Trust that your perspective is uniquely yours because no one else has lived life in your mind and body. So really trust and know that who you are in this world is important, it's valuable, it's unique. No one else in this world can offer what you offer, can be who you are. So I would say those two things. Now is not forever. And trust that who you are is enough and it's important and your voice matters. And then I would probably also say, hey, try this mantra. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And I would let her know, feel free to use that whenever you need. It's there for you always. Wow. What a beautiful way to end this podcast. You are so amazing, Alison. I love you deeply. And I really hope your podcast will change the life of so many young women and girls growing up all across the world, listening to this podcast and really feeling inspired, feeling loved, feeling that we do change. We do grow up despite all the pain people have put on us and our journeys. And uh, on behalf of I Am The Code again and the girls and everyone, Alison Stoner, I want to say thank you for being who you are. I cannot wait to see you progress. I cannot wait to see you, your business grow. I see you being nominated UN ambassadors going all across the world and telling the world. <laughs> I just cannot wait to see how big you're going to become and how amazing you are. Thank you so oh, much so for coming kind. on the I Am The Code podcast. I really do mean this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I love you. I'm so thankful. It's been such an honor to get to know you and to have these conversations and Absolutely. knowing that you were also the first person on my podcast is so, so special <laughs> to me. I know, I know. And I knew I wanted that. I'm so, so glad that it happened and... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know she was the right person for season four. I just knew it. She's just beautiful, beautiful woman. You know, one of the things I've learned this season four, especially after so much hard work, July has been so tough for I Am The Code. And even June, we've been working so hard to make sure you get an amazing content with the season four. But I've learned one thing. Patience is a virtue. I also learned there's power in human capital. When you get the right people for your organization, they will do their best to help you. Hire people that have the same passion as you or people who understand the passion you have and can help you take it forward. When you don't have the right people who understand your vision, your passion and your mission, you are wasting time. Absolutely. That's one of the things I've learned during this COVID-19, but also during this season four. Anyway, you have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. You know, what an honor, what an honor to have this podcast season four finalized. It's just really amazing. Truly, truly honored. I had beautiful human beings, beautiful people that came to share their life journeys with me and their stories. I cannot thank them enough for being here. If you like this content, please share it. It's really amazing. Please share the content, subscribe to the podcast. We count on you and we count on your generosity. This is the final of season four. It is, absolutely. And we have an incredible lineup for you for season five. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content, introducing you to people like Alison Stoner, Paul Pullman, 
Nonzamo Mata, Basitana Kumalo. I mean, you just name it. So many people came on the podcast and I wanted you to have access to those people because they don't share usually their stories with the world, but they have so much to say. They've done so much for the world. They have been elevating humanity, literally. So I'm so happy for you. I'm happy that you've listened to these people and you learned something from them. I'm really sure you've learned something from them. Please subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast. It is really for people who want to do better and be better in life. Remember to donate to I Am The Code. We are still a foundation. If you have something to spare, please help us. Every time you help I Am The Code, we are supporting girls, their computers, their data, their connectivity, their masks, their uniforms. You just name it. Please, please support I Am The Code. Every dollar counts. I want to also thank my team and thank you to the people behind I Am The Code who are helping me produce this unique season and unique content. They're there and writing things down, listening to the podcast, helping with the graphics and doing this amazing work to make sure our guests are absolutely honored. So thank you. I want to say thank you again and see you in September. We're going to be launching season five of the I Am The Code podcast. Can you believe it? Season five with more inspiring guests. And I want you to remember to listen to a bonus episode that I'm going to be launching featuring David Nabarro, who is a special envoy of the World Health Organization and the director of COVID-19. An amazing, awesome guy. He talks about food, talks about, you know, leadership and so many, many things. Listen, I want to thank you so much for being here. You have been elevating humanity and I am so happy to have you with me to launch this podcast, not only launch it, but also be with me all the way. Season five is coming. I cannot believe it. Make sure you tune in, join us. I've got amazing people, like I said earlier, who'll be inspiring you, teaching you, educating you. And I'm sure, 100% sure, they'll be transforming your mind too. Season five coming soon. Have a lovely weekend and continue in elevating humanity. Goodbye, and I will see you very, very soon. Thank you.